This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hello, Dune Nation. A fresh Dune Part 2 trailer has arrived, so it's time for reactions from all of the crew. This is Marcus, your editor at DuneNewsNet.com, and I'm looking forward to discuss this new footage with Garen and Johnny. Hey guys, less than two and a half months left to go. Hey, it's Garen. Um, I know I'm calm on the exterior, but inside I am screaming, raving, excited. And you're going to find out why when we start digging into it. So welcome. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us. <laughs> I'm not going to add too much to that, uh, Garen. Uh, his sentiments are mine. So really excited about this episode. These don't come around too often. These episodes where we talk about a trailer because we only get a you know two or three trailers uh, for each you know of these movies. So, and this may be the last one. Who knows? But uh, yeah, plenty to uh, react to and and dive into today. I'm excited. Okay, it's time for trailer talk. Dune movie news. The first week of December saw two exciting Dune Part Two events uh, taking place in Brazil and South Korea, with many people seeing the movie's first ten minutes. Uh, Warner Brothers then teased that a new trailer was coming, and indeed on the 12th, there it was, official trailer three. So let's hear those first reactions. Johnny, uh, kick us off tonight with your overall thoughts from watching this third trailer. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of thoughts is the, the first thing I would say. Um, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I think about halfway through, um, you know, when we really get some of the very first uh, major worm action, I was like, wow, this is like actually happening right now. And this is like, it's just how you would imagine it in the book. Um, you know, and for people, you know, I only read the book for the first time, like five years ago, I think at this point. Um, and I can't even imagine for people that have read it, you know, 10, 20, you know, or, or more years ago uh, and seen and lived through, you know, some of these other adaptations. I, I think it's just going to be pretty surreal in this trailer. You know, it felt like I was in a good way. It felt like almost like I was watching the movie. Like I couldn't believe how good it was. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's not just the worms. It's you know the music and the non-action sequences, just some of the quieter character moments and the way it's all shot. And uh, I can't wait to just really dive into it. We talked about it on the last episode, but just being able to dive into this world and you know stay there for two and a half plus hours. Uh, that's like what it's all about. So I'm excited to talk more in depth about this and hear, you know, the guys' reactions today because we haven't actually talked about it too much. Yeah. So I I saw this trailer, this third trailer, and I I, I kind of had a moment that reminded me of the same experience I had when I first saw Fellowship of the Ring because I read those uh, uh, Tolkien's books when I was a, a young kid, and I remember describing with my friends, wouldn't it be cool if one day they could depict all of this, especially all the, the battle sequences that happened in Turn of the King. But, but I knew at that time it just couldn't be done. And I had sort of that same moment of realization that this story that I've loved for so many years, uh, most of my life actually, was literally being described and depicted in a way that felt so real. I just was like ecstatic, kind of like Johnny. I was like, is this really happening? Is this, does this really look as accurate and have the emotional impact and excitement that, that I remember feeling uh, years ago with uh, Lord of the Rings? So I just 
seriously, I, I'm just kind of in awe that this vision of an epic war movie and making the the second half of the book um, come to life. It's just I just can't even imagine the the level of detail they're they're going they have gone into, the amount of work that the visual effects and 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 every aspect of the production had to had to put into this. It's just it's almost overwhelming, but it's just amazing. Yeah, for for, for me this this trailer feels um, really like an extension of uh, expansion of, of the first uh, two. Uh, we, we got to see a, a lot of the same moments, but um, a bit longer for for different angle. The, the narrative is similar. Uh, but this time we really see a clearer picture of uh, of Paul and Chani's relationship. They're they're growing closer, uh, but we see how, due to the prophecy, uh, they're both facing a lot of internal conflicts uh, together with pressure from the outside. And what's really intriguing here is that we get also more of a sense of Paul's visions and how um, some of the things that we're seeing here are potentially just one of the possible futures and not, you know, what what was actually going to going to happen. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, re re really interesting to see, to see how, how all that plays out in the final movie. And I think the final, the, the other trailers already did a good job of this already, but this certainly ups the ante in terms of uh, showcasing the scale of the movie. <laughs> uh, it's not that any of us um, Dune people really need to see more, but at this point, this is really looking to remind a broader movie-going audiences of, you know, this is coming in March. It's It's coming really soon. And there are really shots here that could convince almost anyone, even if they haven't seen the movie or they have no prior interest in Dune, to really head to the theater uh, for an epic cinematic experience. Let's go ahead and explore some of this trailer's uh, highlights, especially the, the new shots that we, we got to see now. And although we're going into details uh, now, um, we will be avoiding uh, spoilers on this episode. Uh, of course, you can look forward to our usual scene-by-scene -scene breakdown in another upcoming show. Uh, so, uh, Garen, in our previous episodes, we talked about uh, Villeneuve's comments to the effect of this being an epic war movie, as you just mentioned. And this trailer is certainly action-packed. Uh, war is erupting all over Arrakis, and I'm sure you're uh, pleased to see the high levels of ornithopter activity going on. Um, <laughs> what are you th your thoughts on these various sequences, which appear to be happening at uh, different points of the movie? Yeah, yeah. Super excited that, uh, in fact, there was a moment a few months ago where I think we talked about it on one of our shows, you know, what what would be the role of Thopters uh, in part two? Um, and and for me, if if Thopters had not been uh, an integral part of the, the epic war sequences, I would have been sorely disappointed, uh, devastated, as a matter of fact. But See from this uh, from this trailer. In fact, if you if you look at the trailer at two minutes and twenty seconds in, there's a classic scene where you've got Sardaukar on the plains of I'm assuming Arakeen running running to the right, and you've got uh, a whole host of, of ornithopters flying and 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 firing salvos uh, moving to the left of the screen. And again, this is this is the imagery that I was hoping for. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna show these epic battles that actually were not described in great detail by Frank Herbert, which we've talked about before, but I knew Villeneuve would want to depict these because it's it's such an opportunity uh, to create such action and intensity and to and to up the scale of what's at stake uh, in this in this battle uh, going on, uh, which which you know we can talk about in more detail later, but. Yeah, just super excited. We did see some shots of a group of thopters firing missiles, you know, at, at an outcropping of rock. We we saw that I think on the second trailer. Still, just an awesome sequence. I, I I love just the 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 detail that they've put into the explosions and and you know the 
the fire and everything. Uh, it just, it just feels so authentic. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, I, I have gone to a place where I've suspended any disbelief, right? When I, when I see these sequences and I see these shots, those ornithopters in my mind's eye, they're real, you know, they feel real. They, they have the weight, the, uh, the movement, um, and and so just being able to see some glimpses of what could be uh, described or, or shown on such an epic scale when we see the full film, um, just super super excited because I, I just again I've said this so many times but it's so refreshing right to have this this new type of vehicle an ornithopter which is you know sort of this helicopter esque type uh, vehicle. And now to have it have these things uh, integrated with weaponry and, and they're in the midst of battle. And I just, you know, I always wanted this to happen and I, I'm seeing it now. So, so glad we've got, we've got lots of ornithopter shots. And then probably my favorite shot uh, in this uh, trailer number three is the one where, where you see the Fremen on top of riding a, a sandworm moving to the right of the screen. And then you see, I think it's three or four uh, thopters moving to the left of the screen and and one of them explodes in midair and i mean i'm just like this could not get any better <laughs> i just am like i'm so glad they included that in the trailer like i felt like they included that for me um it just that that sequence um being able to see how, because now the the audience that hasn't read the book they're seeing now this uh you know, this desert power, they're, they're seeing it, uh, on screen and, and it's, it's going to be overwhelming, you know, and I just, am so glad they've included it. So yeah, just loving the Thopter shots guys. And Garrett, I wanted to touch on one thing you, you mentioned about, um, in, in the book, uh, Frank Herbert doesn't actually describe uh, that much of the action, right? A lot of it happens off screen. Uh, but of course, for a cinematic experience, you know, th these are really uh, epic, sh epic shots. There, there's a, a lot um, that can be conveyed to, to the audience is true, like all the new technologies. But do you have any concern? And Johnny, I want to hear from, from you as well after that, like the focus on action, as mentioned, that, you know, Villeneuve is saying that there's going to be a lot more action that this could take away from the other elements of the story. No, um, is the the short, short, quick answer to that. I just think, you know, I don't even really understand that concern, frankly. Um, I think that mainly comes from uh, a thought process of people who've read the book or familiar with the book and know that, as you kind of both pointed out, that Frank Herbert doesn't have a lot of description um, or write in detail about, you know, these action sequences or especially this big battle we're seeing at the end. So it's unusual or maybe even jarring to see them actually take place on screen. But if you know that you're getting a, you know, big budget Dune, you know, movie adaptation, there's going to have, there's going to be action and there's going to be what is in the book, even if it takes place, you know, off screen or off the page, um, that's going to be in there because that's going to be it, not just something that is spectacle and, you know, puts people in the theater and sells tickets, but I think to understand the story and, and how people are getting from point A to point B and how the story is actually evolving uh, the narrative, I think you have to actually see these things because it's a different medium. You need to understand the, you know, the geography of it, the, um, 
you know, the actual, the violence of it. Like it's, it's something that I think I was excited to see. Um, although part of me in some way, even though I don't know why, cause I trust Villeneuve so much as a, as an artist and a filmmaker is he never really done anything like this before. I mean, we've seen him do action sequences, set pieces, especially in Dune part one. That's really the, his biggest stuff he's ever done. Um, and we saw a little bit of action like in Blade Runner 2049, for example. But I mean, this is a whole nother level. And Garen made the reference to the Lord of the Rings. And that's something that gets compared to Dune pretty often. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely on the scale. I mean, the only Hollywood blockbuster like action, like battle sequences I can think of like this century <laughs> that compared to like what we're seeing in this trailer is the Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers, Helm's Deep, and then Return of the King, of course. and for me, and I know these films are a little bit more divisive, but like Avatar, for example, the battle at the end of the first film, which is like 25, 30 minutes, like nonstop, incredibly staged, incredibly shot, great storytelling. And even in the battle at the end of the second movie too, which is also incredibly well done. Um, and I'm a big fan of those movies. This looks, I mean, just the camera movements we're seeing in this trailer. It's so, it's just like unbelievable and, and, and breathtaking. Um, I knew Villeneuve had it in him, but to actually see it come to fruition, that's like, it, it's, it doesn't feel real still. Um, and it probably won't feel real until I actually see the movie a couple of times. So um, yeah, there's, I think Garrett made some great points and pointed out some of my favorite, favorite moments, um, especially those, those shots and those movements where things are heading like opposite directions and there's all these different moving objects, vehicles and soldiers and worms and dust and, it's so it's so enormous and i don't know how <laughs> there's so many reasons why it shouldn't work and i understand that's why maybe a lot of the book readers were concerned about it coming to life but it it looks like it works and it looks even better than i i hoped it would be frankly if i can just add to that johnny bringing up avatar you know one of the one of the successes i think of of, of James Cameron is his attention to detail. And when, when you have a visionary director like Villeneuve or, or Cameron and they have the budget to do it, it's just, it's just a match made in heaven because you've got someone with a vision that, that wants to show so much detail that creates that realism. Um, for instance, uh, another, uh, just another shot that I was talking about with with uh, uh, the, the ornithopters going over the, the sandworm. Just the speed that you're seeing the ornithopters going in one direction, uh, the fremen on the sandworm going in the other direction. Just the attention to to the dust movement and and the speed of the missiles being fired. Just all of that is so important to creating that that feeling of realism and, and you're, because I, I remember Villeneuve saying this early on, he wanted the Dune experience to be rooted in, in what we know to, to be relatable to us in our world here and the experiences that we've had so that it, it feels real. Like he talked about spent a year designing, you know, the worm and, and how it needed to feel ancient. Um, but, but yet incredibly powerful. Uh, and it's so, just I love the fact that the attention to detail is is manifest just in this third trailer, you know, in, in such detail. And and I agree with you, Johnny. I, I 
I know that Villeneuve is, is cognizant of this is about characters that we love. We are in it with these characters uh, on all sides uh, of the conflict. He knows how to tell a story and not have that uh, have the action overwhelm uh, the character arc and development. So I'm not I'm not worried, but but we're excited to go and see the action too because it's it's an integral part of the story. So so I just think it's it's going to be the right the right balance. I'm I'm just convinced of it. Uh, real quick, I know Marcus probably going to speed us along here, but I, I totally agree with you in terms of like James Cameron. You know, he's a visionary. Whatever you want to say about him as a person or him as his films, his, the stories that he chooses to do, um, which I love, you know, by and large, it, he has such attention to detail. I mean, he's so brilliant in terms of Avatar, for example. I was mentioning those battles. I mean, of course, it's like a almost entirely CG world and characters and everything. But the weight, as you mentioned, and the speed and the physics of how that all comes together, that's what makes it look so good. That's what makes it feel so different versus something you might see in like a, just an anonymous comic book movie, for example, or some disaster movie um, in Hollywood. Like it's it's just a different level. Like when you see it, you know what it feels and looks like. And it's it's just uh, hard to top because it's it's someone that you know can tell a great story and all this other great action, the visuals, the effects is like a cherry on top basically. Um, and it's not even like, it's not about it just being photo real or anything like that, even though Dune by and large does look very realistic, but that weight, that speed, it making sense in your brain and not feeling you know uncanny. Um, I think it's hard to kind of, uh, articulate that sometimes, especially when we criticize, you know, Marvel movies or whatever the latest blockbuster is. But you you can see the Dune trailer and it in your back of your brain somewhere it just it clicks. Um, it, for me anyway, and I feel like for a lot of people, um, and Villeneuve is someone who his storytelling has always been fantastic, but that's never taken away from his visuals in his films, no matter what the budget is. Um, and I think that that is still the case with Dune Part One and so far what we've seen from Dune Part Two. Yeah, and uh, as you've been mentioning, it does seem that everything is building towards this grand finale that is going to be like a, a scene that's going to take place over, you know, probably an ex extended part of the the, the movie's uh, runtime, especially if you include the, um, the the final final scene after that at, at the um, in in the, in the hallway at, at Arakin. Uh, but yeah, we're, it's it's definitely going to be a huge confrontation that's taking place on the plains of Arakin. You have the Imperium Sardaukar forces and the Fremen. And we see that that shot of the Emperor's ship entering the atmosphere and then his tent-shaped uh, forward base. Uh, we, we get to see that a few more times here from a different angle. Um, Garen, what are your thoughts on this this setting where this uh, this final battle is going to take place? Yeah, so the, the final battle is actually um, <clears throat> not necessarily described in the action conflict uh, in Frank Herbert's book, uh, but... but some of the set pieces are described quite quite well, and I was I was struck by how uh, just even fifteen or so seconds into this third trailer, there's actually a shot that I can tell is zeroed in on on the side of the emperor's mobile tent, which becomes his his base during the war, and just the level of detail and thought that has gone into how the physics could even work of having these huge metal pieces kind of unfold. Again, these are things that as a longtime 
fan of the book, um, this is really quite important. The, getting getting the emperor's base and this mobile metal tent thing right, and and um, you know, I, I again, we always compare it to the '84 movie, but the way that they've shown me just these two shots in this in this third trailer. It's like it feels right. It just feels like this is the way it could work, and it's massive. It's on a massive scale, and and you know, credit credit to the filmmakers in in the nineteen early eighties, right? They didn't have this level of CGI technology and computing power to create this stuff, but but just seeing this this metal tent and having it appear real. <laughs> it's just so inspiring to me. I know that seems a little dumb to say it like that, but um, again, it's it's like these are elements of the story that are critical to us fans. And seeing again that level of detail and making it right and feel realistic and have the physics work is really important to me. Also, buying into the character interaction and the, and the development and the conflict of the characters. Those elements for me have got to be right or it takes me out of the moment. You know, I, my disbelief enters in and I'm like, oh, that wasn't quite right. You know, it's kind of goofy and, you know, but as far as this trailer is showing me, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to experience that at all in two <laughs> hours and 46 uh, when it comes to the visuals, uh, absolutely nothing can top the sight of the Fremen riding into battle on those gigantic sandworms. Um, uh, Duke Lido, he sought the desert power when he took the call to bring House Atreides to Rackus, and that's the greatest possible manifestation of that. I mean, that, that scene with the three sandworms, that's no doubt the film's money shot, a perfect encapsulation of the story's more fantastical elements. Uh, most people seeing this will immediately recognize that this comes from Dune, you know, even if they know nothing else from the story, that this is something that, that they'll, they'll recognize. And going to the point about CGI, I, I do know that the designers did mention um, in, in a lot of the, these, these cases, these worms are being used, uh, there's practical effects uh, coming to play. Because, of course, in the first movie, we know that they mentioned it was all CGI, and they put it together some segments of the worm to test how it works. Uh, but apparently here in, in this uh, second movie, there's going to be a lot more of that. So that's uh, pretty, pretty impressive to see how that, uh, that comes together. I'm sure it will be a great uh, behind-the-scenes uh, uh, segment as well. And what, what I also love about this is this is a direct uh, homage to uh, John Schoonher's uh, artwork. And he's one of the original artists who illustrated Frank Herbert's Dune novel. And you probably know what I'm talking about, that uh, older illustration of the three sandworms uh, uh, coming into battle. Yes, that artwork definitely popped into my mind <clears throat> when I saw that, that frame. Um, it was just like, it's so absurdly good. Like, <laughs> I, I know we're we're gushing over like we're fanboying but yeah again when i say it's accurate or truthful or you know uh exactly what you would have imagined like that's what i'm talking about is those classic illustrations um which are they're very much an interpretation and that's the thing that we've talked about you know constantly is frank herbert doesn't offer a an ex uh, you know expansive amount of description necessarily of any particular elements, designs, anything like that, colors. It's it, the description he uses is fairly sparse. So it leaves a lot of room for interpretation, doesn't invalidate anything necessarily. Um, and that, you know, Garen was talking about the tent. That's such an interesting, hard to kind of grasp um, uh, vehicle or structure, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and it does seem like it's been done well here. And in terms of the worm, I, I, I was just thinking up to myself when you said that I, the first picture we get of them from behind the scenes of like standing on a worm, like, you know, segment or wherever the case is like, that's going to be a pretty cool, uh, a visual, I think. And I'm excited to see just, I mean, we're a ways away, obviously, from release, but the behind the scenes stuff, as usual, I think is going to be pretty awesome to see for this. You know, one thing that is going to be a careful balance is making sure that, um, and, and and this is where uh, Joe Walker has has proven his, his uh, incredible talent and gift, but the pacing of keeping these character pieces like like the the Chani and uh, and and Paul relationship, making sure that pacing feels right, that that's developing at the right the right uh, cadence, um, and then interspersing that uh, obviously with with the Harkin and the, and the Emperor uh, plans within plans and 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 their uh, ability to to uh, keep control and 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 wipe out uh, you know the opposition of Paul and the Fremen. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do to make sure that as an audience, we're not getting worn out uh, in an epic war. I, I think if you've seen war movies, sometimes we get a little bit lost in, in the action. There has to be this really careful balance. Um, so for instance, um, you know, my wife is not a science fiction fan. She she does not like science fiction movies. She really liked Dune. And and at first I thought she was just saying that to me because I'm a Dune fan. And I'm like, honey, I need you to be totally honest with me. She's like, honestly, Garen, the first time I did not know what was going on. It was beautiful and the music was amazing. I just didn't get it. I didn't get the characters. But the second time... She walked out of there. Uh, we saw it on the IMAX, uh, of course. And as we walked out, she was like, I really liked that. And then she wanted to watch it again at home a couple of days later. And so the idea of having someone like her be able to experience part two and have the, the, the war sequences meld and, and dovetail well with the, the character development I just hope that's done at the right balance and, and the right ratio, if you know what I'm saying, because that that could get a little off kilter and then people like my wife are getting worn out. They're maybe getting fatigued because this is a little bit too much to take in. And maybe the first time we watch part two, she will be the same way she was the first time watching part one. But maybe going back that second time, then then it'll all fit together for her. But I I just sometimes think of the different types of audiences that are going to see this film, and and I that's just a a thought, uh, an opinion. Moving on to the other scenes, so all eyes may be on Arrakis, uh, but we do get to see more of the other factions on their worlds, including House Quino on Katane. So there's there's more of Emperor Shadon the Fourth, and he's learned the existence of the prophet on Arrakis. And at this point, it's, it's quite likely that he doesn't know who this prophet could be, um, but maybe he's, he suspects some things. But uh, re remember that uh, House Krino, the, the emperor, and House Harkonnen, they conspired together to eliminate House uh, Atreides. And then as a result of that, House Harkonnen, they took control of Arrakis again. So they're, they're in charge there. 
but it seems at this point the, the emperor doesn't can't rely on them anymore. Like he's seeing that they're not being able to handle whatever the situation is on Arrakis from things he's hearing. So he's basically trying to take matters into his uh, his own hands there. Um, yeah, so 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 good good to see more of uh, Christopher Walken. I know that uh, that was one of the the um, actors playing the characters that I was initially thinking, okay, like how how is how is he going to work? But uh, yeah, so so far I don't have concerns with with what I've uh, seen. Um, but then we also get a lot more of uh, Princess uh, Irlan. We, we see her interacting with the Bene Gesserit. And remember that Princess Irlan, she is trained as, as a Bene Gesserit uh, sister. She may not be the most talented or have the most skills, but she's familiar with them. She's part of the organization. But her, her focus is more on the fact that she's a princess. She's, she's part of um, the royal family. She, she's the, the heir to the throne. So for her, the Bene Gesserit aspect isn't as much of a focus as it is, for example, for a uh, uh, for Jessica. And uh, um, yeah, we have that uh, conversation with um, Reverend Mother Mohayam, uh, where uh, basically she's talking about the Quizzes Hadrick and how this is an all-powerful being. And probably the Irlan is starting to make more connections. And I wonder if this is going to be lead to her later on thinking of, you know, what what if Paul Trades is still alive, you know, in connection to the, uh, to the prophet that they're hearing um, there. So yeah, definitely a, a lot going on on, um, on Katane there. And um, yeah, then we also have a lot going on um, on um, uh, Giddy Prime uh, in terms of uh, fade. There have been s- certain new uh, new scenes, and I think some of them are pushing the PG thirteen limit. Uh, Johnny, what are your thoughts there? I don't know. I guess I'm I'm a little biased. I I really like Austin Butler as an actor, just from what I, the you know few projects I've seen him in so far. Um, so really excited to see what he can offer in the world of Dune because it's such a departure from something like Elvis, for example, and. Uh, what we had seen prior to this trailer, I was really liking. I think the design is is interesting. Obviously, it's in in line with the Harkonnen uh, design overall that we've seen with the pale skin and the you know hairless essentially. Um, and there's that dark kind of. It's it's an interesting aesthetic that they have on their on their world, and it seeps into you know, their clothes and and everything else. But in this trailer, we do get a little bit more insight to kind of the ceremonial aspects of what Fade is going through. Um, you know, fans of the book will be familiar with this uh, and how it ties into the gladiator scene that has been highlighted and like the focal point of the fade footage uh, up till now. Um, and including this really, uh, you could say kind of provocative um, uh, scene or moment uh, where it looks like he's probably preparing to go into the arena. Um, and he's being presented with these two almost like ceremonial like daggers or knives that he's going to use. and he takes one of the blades and like brings it up. He sticks his tongue out very slowly and then like slowly brings the knife up to his, uh, to his tongue. And we don't really see the way it's edited. You don't get to see kind of how it plays out like in full. Um, but we do see he kind of swings his arm out with the blade and, and seems to cut the, the neck or throat of a uh, servant standing next to him. So he definitely has a cruel streak. We definitely see that he is, as Irlan says in Australia, is psychotic um and also i gotta say we hadn't really seen too much of it uh in the previous uh, footage and, and photos but in that one shot where he, he slices the throat uh of the servant i mean austin butler is pretty jacked in this movie actually um i know that he had talked about in an interview that uh he had been training with a navy seal before he went over to budapest and some of these other things and it didn't seem like he was too noticeably bigger um you know compared to like elvis but i mean he's definitely pretty shredded up like his his triceps and like everything else his back is crazy popping so uh he definitely he is a very nice contrast in 
every single way to Paul and Chalamet. Um, and I think that's that's perfect um, in terms of being true to the book. So even though a lot of the little things are different, um, I think it's still true to the heart of that that dynamic. Um, and that kind of goes into a little bit more extra footage, some similar or same things in terms of the arena. I really loved the big long shot we get, almost like an establishing shot of the arena. It's enormous. We already knew that. You can't even see the full arena in this big <laughs> long shot because we know there's like, 10 tiers of seating and we can see like maybe five of them or something. Um, but it just gives such a great sense of scale and, and, and Getty prime and just, um, more, uh, kind of being, uh, immersed in their world. And then the, um, other nice moment we get in terms of another look at fader alpha and also some of the architecture and, and designs is this huge cavernous like hall, um, indoors, uh, on Getty prime. And, it seems to be like there's this big like celebration party ceremony, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's actually very similar, almost, I would say identical to what we've heard as the, uh, one of the opening moments of the film where the, it sounds like there's a transfer of power on Arrakis, um, where the Baron is there and he basically, uh, ordains Raban as the new, um, ruler of Arrakis and he's wearing Raban's wearing like a different outfit and he has kind of like a almost like a large chain around his neck or something like that or necklace um and fade in this you can see in the in the establishing shot there's a, a stage at the far end of the uh room and you can see if you look really closely the Baron is there and he has the same machine and the suspensors he's kind of hanging on with and uh and then the the uh, closer shot of fade you can see he's wearing the identical clothes so and there's a few different things this could be. It does seem like Fade is getting the favor of the Baron, obviously. Um, and that there seems to be maybe like a celebration going on because uh, it seems like a pretty raucous crowd. So um, I'm excited to see more. And this could, I'm curious, I suspect it's broken up, but just the way it's even put into the trailer, this could be just one big, long Getty Prime sequence, potentially. Um, we know that uh, Leia Seydoux's character is going to be there, Margot Fennering, uh, for the uh, event. And so from him preparing with the blades and, and killing that servant uh, up through the arena and that whole sequence. And then this after party kind of uh, scene, there's a lot, a lot of Getty prime there. And I think that's great because we didn't get too, too much of it in the first movie. So um, as a book fan who wants to see a little bit more of these different worlds, and a little bit different aesthetic, I think that's great. And uh, again, Austin Butler, it, it's interesting. I, I hate to mention this, but I just think it makes me laugh. We haven't heard him talk yet. <laughs> and I know everyone likes to uh, like laugh about his, his voice and his Elvis voice. But I am curious to see if there's going to be any difference really in like his intonation or just his cadence or anything. I'm sure it'll be pretty different. Um, Batista in an interview mentioned that he sounded like a totally different person. So um, it, it's interesting. They haven't shown anything yet, but I like that we're still uh, having mysteries to, uh, to answer whenever that may be. I loved that establishing shot that you talked about with the gladiator arena is accurately triangle shaped. Um, if I'm right, that is actually how Frank Herbert describes it. Um, and so again, another accurate detail. Uh, thank you. Villeneuve. Um, and also whatever that, uh, scene that you were describing Johnny, where uh, there's a platform and there's, just hundreds, if not thousands, of, of people on uh, Giddy Prime cheering and 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 whatever whatever that might be, transfer of power, whatever that happens to be there. Um, it did make me think of the Fenrings, and um, you know we don't see uh, 
Tim Blake Nelson in this trailer. <laughs> but um, I would like to believe that we have uh, the Fenring couple uh, in this story. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on that. But that'll be interesting because that's where that inter interaction takes place on Gidi Prime uh, in, in the capital city of Harko. That's where that happens, uh, where there's that interaction and and the, the, the scheming uh, with the Fenrings. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really... I know we got a lot in this trailer, but I mean, there's so, so, so much more to this story. So I'm excited. Mm. Real quick, I guarantee your point. I like that you mentioned the Fenrings a little bit more there. <clears throat> the way this trailer's edited, obviously it's very deceptive as all trailers can be, but with Dune, it's even like more meta because we know that visions are misleading and <laughs> what you hear and see doesn't always make sense or makes sense in a different way later. Um, when they're talking about how to respond to what's going on in, on Arrakis, the Emperor says, you know, send assassins. And then that is how they segue into Fade. Obviously, Irulan says, you know, Fade Ralph, like he's psychotic. It, it I, I don't think necessarily that they're talking about Fade because, you know, his capacity in the novel is not as an assassin. Um, but, you know, things could be changed. Things could be tweaked. I'm curious about that. I do wonder if, <clears throat> you know, Count Fenring, what his capacity in this, because we know he is a, I mean, he would have been the Kwisatz Haderach, so, and he is very, he's maybe arguably the most dangerous or one of the most dangerous in the, in the story, at least in the first book, so, you know, maybe he'll be involved and maybe he'll go on a mission or something. That that could be interesting. We Again, we don't even know if Tim Blake Nelson is Count Fenring, but <laughs> there's so much we don't know yet or haven't seen, and I, I love that, um, obviously, but yeah, it, my, my that, that line in particular, those send assassins, surely we have to see that, you know, manifest in some way. What does that mean? That can't just mean more Harkonnen or more Sardaukar soldiers, right? Um, if not, who would that be? Um, maybe Count Fenring could be could be uh, an option for that, but we'll see. I think it's a good theory, Johnny. Really good theory. Yeah, and, and that's interesting, that, that line from, uh, from Irland, like, the part that he's psychotic that, that likely is referring to fate or it would, would make sense it would be curious if if she does have like any interaction or because obviously she, she's aware of him and she's discussing him with, <laughs> uh, with with somebody and we know that in the in the miniseries uh like uh the dune miniseries that was on tv in the 2000s like uh Irlan actually went to giddy prime and she had direct interaction with uh with fate so i wonder if there's going to be any uh homage to that or if, if you're going to do any of that roots there already but it's yeah it's good to see that even though these characters are not necessarily like going to be in the same physical location that they're uh, there's going to be some thoughts about you know like what what type of person that is and we're getting to learn about fate uh, both from what we see but also from from others uh, perspectives yeah and I, and I think also uh john that that would, would make sense for for that giddy prime scene to sort of be like all one one segment or maybe like intercut with something else but you know you have Fade, he goes into the arena, he, he fates, uh, fights Lieutenant Lanville, he, he wins. And then after that, it's the celebration. And then uh, the Baron is declaring that Fade is, is his his heir. And then it's, you know, it's a really big celebration. And then after that, you know, he, he interacts with uh, Leia Sidhu. So I think that could, could be like one one long experience on, on Getty Prime. That, that, that definitely excited to see a lot more of that world. Yeah, um, good, uh, good point there, Marcus. And one thing that I did kind of occurred to me when I saw the trailer, after a few times anyway, was I think a lot of people thought or predicted that uh, the introduction of Fade, even before we got any trailers, the introduction to this character would be the gladiator scene because 
um, you know, makes perfect sense. And in some ways that is kind of his uh, reintroduction, at least in the novel. Um, and so, you know, when you have that scene where the doors kind of open and he steps in, his face is shown and he goes into the arena. Seemingly that is not technically going to be the very first thing we see of fate in this movie um, that would happen after the blade scene, most likely. So that could be the very first moment we get with the character. I'm curious again, to see that whole thing play out and what it all means and how they choose to characterize this guy and, uh, and how again, Austin Butler chooses to play him because he described that, I think it was at CCXP just last week, you know, as a delicious <laughs> character. And he definitely is. And, uh, you know, he's not a good guy uh, by any stretch and not someone that you want to see uh, come out on top, but he is a, uh, a very intriguing uh, antagonist for Paul. So I just hope that, you know, we get a good chunk. And I think there's really interesting, even that shot, <clears throat> I've watched it so many times now, the shot where you see him on the stage in that, that room or big hall, I, I feel like, and this is just my movie nerd brain, like freaking out, but, and being a fan of Austin Butler and Villeneuve, I just feel like there's a lot of different, like things you could take from his expression, like in that moment, for some reason. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Like his expression changes slightly and it's kind of almost, it's like, seems kind of ambiguous to me. Um, I just wonder like, again, to the characterization of fade, like, is, is he just going to be played as like a pure total psychopath or is there going to be a more under the surface sting obviously in the original was pretty, <laughs> I think it would be fair to say maybe a little one note in that regard. Um, just kind of like a live wire in, uh, in his underwear. But um, I, I am curious like how deep they go with fade because he could be just a one note and a very hate, hate you know, easy to hate kind of villain. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He, he he does have elements that I feel like you could dig into and and not necessarily get people to sympathize with him, but you know, his, his position under the Baron is not an envious one necessarily. One of the last scenes that, that, that I want to highlight um, is uh, towards the, the end of the movie, and here we've seen it in a trailer that uh, uh, Paul Trades he he reencounters re uh, Reverend Mander Mohaim, and we we know that in the first movie, of course, there there was the test, you know, determining if if he's human and. Uh, the, the Reverend Mother was really in the position of, of power, at least at the beginning. And not now we see that Paul, he's in total control of, of, the, of the voice and, you, you know, he can silence one of the, the most uh, senior Ben Jesuits. So that's really uh, exciting to see, see how they're, they're using the, the, the voice there. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get to see a bit more of, of Paul's uh, other powers as well. You guys, I, I really like how we're seeing in this trailer um, this evolution of Paul that that uh, Villeneuve had to kind of tell Chalamet to contain in part one. Um, I remember that, that I read that, or we brought that up in one of our shows that, that uh, uh, Chalamet read the book in preparation for shooting part one. And, and Villeneuve had to, had to keep telling him, no, 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 this is not, this is not the <laughs> Paul at the end of the story that is so powerful and bold and commanding and, you know, this is this is the the young guy who's just barely understanding his place in the world, and 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 this you know we've the decision to include the sequences in this trailer very very much show this powerful leader, and and uh, he's coming into his own and recognizing uh, that he really has a, a long reach, and yet then we have that shot with he and and Johnny. Uh, that's very tender and establishing that they're falling in love and and that relationship. So, anyway, just 
you know, my, my, my kids, uh, they're all young adults and Chalamet is, is the best actor ever to them. And, <laughs> and I, I really think that, you know, he's going to have the opportunity uh, to really display the depth of, of Paul. And, and I just like that we've, we're seeing glimpses of this, but just because you've got to believe that this young person who has a prescient ability, but doesn't really understand how to use it yet, becomes the leader of thousands of, of Fremen. And, and not only the culture of the Fremen, which is very important, which we'll see, but also a military leader. And, and all of that has got to be believable. And so I, I think, uh, like my kids, uh, I'm excited to see Chalamet <laughs> really display uh, his, his skill with this character. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I like what you said there, Garen. I think it is very um, satisfying to watch this this character go from being just this teenage boy, <laughs> and I guess technically he still is supposed to be a teenage boy in this movie. But in the first one, he looks so young, and he does play himself as a very young uh, novice, kind of up and coming. You know, he's the son to his father and his mother, and you know, his father's not even in this one. Um, and a lot of his mentors, you know, looking at Duncan, for example, uh, and through fear, who's MIA at the moment. So I think that that is, it's such a night and day difference. Um, and everything I've seen, I was very curious to see, how is Shalman going to play this? Because we've not seen him play anything exactly like that before. Um, but I thought that uh, everything that we've seen so far, including the moment that Marcus highlighted, uh, which is just such a great uh Turn, turn of the tables there uh, with those two. And I like seeing more of Mahayam in this as well, because I think people can forget about her despite being in such a pivotal early scene in this saga. Um, I think Chalamet is just knocking out of the park and is doing a very convincing job of, uh, you know, being commanding, being like intimidating. And I think that uh, as the movie goes on, of course, we're going to see that evolve even further. But it, the, also one thing I've been, I was thinking about this earlier today and hearing you talk about those, those elements reminded me of it it's going to be so satisfying and i'll use austin butler's delicious to, to go back and for book fans but also i think even more probably for people that haven't read the book um aren't as familiar with the lore or maybe you know previous adaptations or anything like that to after watching part two to go back and watch part one um and there's gonna be so many things that have such a great payoff in the second film and things, images and messages <laughs> from the deep in part one that, you know, watching it, you might not be able to really understand or grasp what's going on. You have a lot of questions, um, even as a book reader, I, you know, I did, you know, watching the first film. Um, and to see some of these things come to fruition or maybe some things that, you know, seemed a certain way, like I said earlier, and then they end up happening a different way. I think that's just going to be so cool. Um, it's kind of like when a movie has a twist and then you go back and watch it the second time and you realize, oh, there's all these different clues. And if it's a mystery, there's all these different clues uh, that make sense and make it more satisfying to watch. I think this is going to be similar, but it's going to be for different reasons. And it's going to be across two movies, obviously, at least until we get Dune Messiah, which will add a whole nother layer of, of uh, messages and, and different meanings and things you can take away from it. So I think that for me is going to be one of the great things about this uh, duology. And then uh, the trilogy will be uh, just how well orchestrated and, and this tapestry is going to be 
uh, designed by Villeneuve and, and the team. You know, only only if uh, Frank Herbert uh, could could see this, I, oh, I yeah. think he would be so proud. And and I'd like to believe that his his son and his his grandson and his family uh, that run the estate. I I really think he would be so proud. And and he was admittedly so supportive of Lynch's Dune, and 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 even mm-hmm. said some really positive things about it. And, and that was very. That was very, uh, you know, kind of him, and 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 again at the time, it, it really was a great uh, uh, manifestation of that story. But I, I can just only imagine what Frank <laughs> Herbert would be feeling to see this. He probably wouldn't agree with everything, knowing knowing his personality. Oh yeah, he would, <laughs> no way. He would maybe have issue with all of the epic war movie stuff. He really might. Um, yeah, because he he was a very uh, complex individual, but. Um, to, to see his story come to life in such a way that is so engrossing and, and, and almost overwhelming. I think he would, I think he would truly be a, appreciative and, and grateful for that. I'd like to believe that anyway. Agreed. And we've just picked through, you know, a couple of the most noteworthy new scenes in, in the trailer, but the, like we could take any of these, these characters and, you know, like spend an hour, like analyzing their, their behavior and what, what's, what's going on here and tying it back to the book and what, what we've learned. And in fact, we, we have done that before uh, with, with various characters. And what, one of the, the lines from Chani that we got some more, more context uh, on is uh, this is how they enslave us. You know, like we, we first heard that line in the, the earlier trailer, but it was out of context. So you, we didn't realize, but here we know that she's saying to like all the Fremen as, as they're, you know, they're, they're, they're bowing down to, uh, to, to Paul Madib, and she's, you know, daring to stand up and like challenge like all, all of them, uh, the prophecy, because she, she knows Paul, Paul more, more closely and, uh, and who, who he really is. So that, that, that's a yeah, re- really fascinating scene. Like I think, uh, Chani, I'm also like re- really, uh, um, yeah, excited to, to see how, how that, how the character comes and that, that's, uh, tension that happens because you know she 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 loves Paul, but then she's also seems to really hate the the prophecy and and what it's doing to her people. So there's going to be that uh, uh, duality there. It's going to be fascinating to see. Hey, one more concern that that just came to me: um, making sure that uh, we that Villeneuve honors the the role of the of the women characters in the story. Very powerful, influential. Uh, commanding uh, women, and the very, very last scene of the book, right? Which mm. I won't, I won't say what it is, but um, I, I really, I really hope. And and it reminded me when you were talking about that scene where Chani's, uh, you know, in front of all the, the Fremen and the Siege, talking about, you know, that that this this prophecy is is you know uh, holding us down. I I hope that throughout this story those those women characters are as strong as I, I think Frank Herbert wanted them to be in his story. Um, you know, obviously uh, we had the Leah Kynes uh, gender swap, which I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great choice. Um, but I, I hope that that uh, representation of, of Irulan, of Chani, um, even... Uh, Reverend Mother Gaius Mohayam. I mean, even even just making sure that those key characters, uh, Lady Fenring, really have the right 
uh, place and the weight in the story because that was really important to Frank Herbert. And, and I think uh, I'd like to believe Villeneuve would be very conscious of that. And yeah, that, that's that's something that he, he has has said in a recent interview that he he wanted mm. to intentionally focus on the women characters, but especially the Ben and Jesuit, and that they got more more attention in this, and maybe the <laughs> Mantans less so. So we where's two for Howard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I was just about to say that Marcus he actually said something almost verbatim like that in that interview recently, which is a good sign, I would say, uh, Garen. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Chani, I'd seen that. We don't have the full context of it, of it, obviously, but that quote and that line, I mean, just seeing even the shot, the way it's composed and framed, it's so striking because she is like standing above like all the Fremen and like standing out and saying and pointing and she rips her like hood off, and, like storms out. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. And I think I have seen and, and heard a little bit of concern and, and kind of questions about like, okay, this is not like the book, obviously, this is pretty different. Um, and I, I'm excited. I do need to. Uh, I need to get a move on with reading the book uh, before this movie comes out. But I think uh, it's very intriguing, very exciting to me. Because um, if it's done well, and historically Villeneuve has done a pretty good job with his women characters, I think that it'll make for a very intriguing dynamic and relationship between Paul and Chani. Because um, I don't think it's going to be so drastic that like the relationship like isn't what it is in the book necessarily. But I think that having some sort of rift or some sort of conflict, whatever it may be, because we don't have all the, the context, it could be very, very interesting um, and make Chani as a character, uh, add, you know, again, I've said this many times before, but add some extra wrinkles to that character that aren't in the book necessarily. Um, and similarly with, you know, Irulan, because she seems to be much more involved and maybe have a more like kind of fleshed out subplot practically in this movie based on what we've seen and heard so far. And, Lady Jessica looks, we haven't even touched on her, I'll just mention, but she looks incredible in this trailer, in the, rev, uh, you know, Reverend Mother, essentially, attire, and uh, seems to be having a very uh, significant role in the in the context of the narrative, as we all know. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. I mean, obviously it is, but <laughs> I like that you said that, Garen, because I think that this trailer, especially, and having Mohaim included in it in those few instances, um, yeah, there's a lot of love and, and characters to go around, but um, so far, so good from my, my point of view. We didn't even have a chance to touch on every detail. So as mentioned, we're going to be doing a full spoiler breakdown that, that's going to be coming up on the show soon as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, for, for, for today, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up on that note. Uh, go ahead and uh, sign off. Thanks everyone once again for joining us. Appreciate you uh, taking some time uh, to hear our thoughts on the trailer. Uh, it's just one of those exciting times where we're getting into that, like I said, uh, not quite the home stretch, but we're getting into the stretch and it feels great having this trailer out, being able to discuss it with the team here and uh, appreciate all your support. You can find me on social media, uh, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, at Johnny Sobchak and uh, stick around because next couple of months, two and a half months are going to be really fun, I suspect. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, this is getting pretty exciting and over the next couple of months, it's going to get... Uh going to get pretty crazy. So thanks for supporting us. Um, I just want to mention the fact that uh, it's kind of an epic moment. We have gone through this whole uh, episode and not mentioned Aaliyah, which is really important. But we did not talk about her at all. We'll, we'll talk about her next time. Don't worry. But thank you for your support. Yeah, this was uh, Marcus Gabriel. You can find me at Marcus's writing on uh, various social media platforms and uh, writing on dunasnet.com. 
Um, yeah, so as mentioned, um, a lot of exciting stuff still to come here on the show. We also have some uh, collaborations uh, coming up, some uh, more special guests, uh, interviews, so a lot to look forward to. It's going to be a yeah, big big lead up to the, to the movie. And 2024, you know, it's, it's going to be the, the year of Dune, so tons to look forward. For now, take care. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.